the Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. See that house with the box hedge and the big green trees? That's my house. That's where I live. I've always lived right there in that white stucco house with Mom and Dad. Only, it used to be yellow. But Mom said the yellow made it look too gaudy nowadays. So Dad painted it white. That was when I was just a kid. I was too little to help. I might have, you know, made a mess of things. <laughs> yes, sir, that's where I live. I've never lived anywhere else, and I don't ever want to live anywhere else. That's my house. It's our house. Mom's and Dad's and mine. Of all the things it's important to know, what would you say is the most important? Think about it. The most important thing to know is to know who you are. Our story tonight is told by someone who enjoys the warm, secure feeling of knowing exactly who he is and where he fits into the world. Very simple, you say? It is now. But perhaps it wasn't always that simple. But that's our story. More in just a minute. I really used to feel sorry for my mom and dad. Dad had to work very hard downtown in an office and bring home a lot of papers to work on every night. And mom worked at home. First, she made breakfast for us and had to wash up all the dishes by hand. Then she unfolded the ironing board and ironed she did that every day. I must have been almost ten years old before I found out she did other people's ironing. You know where the Beals live? Uh-huh. Well, this goes to Mrs. Beal, and you tell her thank you. And don't you drop that bundle. It has ten nice shirts in it. She had to stop ironing to make lunch. She never ate as much as she gave me. She always finished before I did. She wouldn't say anything. She'd just sit and wait for my plate to be empty, and then she'd take it away and wash it and come back and wait for my milk glass to be empty, and then she'd take that and wash it, and we were done. And there was never a scrap of food on the white, little, eight-sided tiles of the drain board. And then she ironed some more. I'll tell you about my house. It has a kitchen, of course, and a little room that Mom ironed in, and a back door, and a hallway with Grandma's picture four times in a long frame when she was a little girl. She looks sad in all four pictures. We have a green bathroom with shiny walls and a big bathtub that has chips in the porcelain. And Mom and Dad's bedroom with shiny wood floors and tall, dark brown dressers and ladder-back chairs that we also use when company's having dinner. And they have twin beds. I'm not allowed in that room. And the front room with the sliding door for when Dad has to talk business. We have a real dining room with a big white glass bowl light on chains hanging over the table and bugs fall into the bowl in the summer. And a glass sideboard where Mom keeps all the special cups and saucers and plates that we never use. But my favorite room is my own room. It's not very big. I have everything I need in there. My bed, and a desk for homework, and school stuff I used to do, but I don't anymore. And a box of toys I used to play with, and my closet. I like that room. I even liked it when I was bad and they sent me to my room. It was cool, and it smelled good. Like shoe polish and mothballs and very old blankets. The best times were dinner times, because sometimes Dad would bring home stories that would make them both laugh. 
<laughs> you know, there was a fellow on that bus tonight. I, I think he was drunk. Sometimes at dinner, they'd yeah. talk as if they'd forgotten I was even there. Seen him before, um, but tonight he, he was really having some problems. Well, they shouldn't allow it. <laughs> well, you know, it's really, really kind of funny when you look but at it. But Mom would see I was no. listening instead of eating, oh, hey. and she worried I wouldn't eat all of my vegetables. Now you eat every last bit of that or no dessert. So I had a nice childhood. I mean, I never thought it was anything special one way or another. Being that I didn't have any brothers or sisters, I, I spent a lot of time by myself. There was this place down under the back porch where I loved to just sit for hours and pretend, you know, make up stories and adventures. That was when I found out that if I was lonesome, I could invent a playmate, and I did that. Or I could pretend to be anyone I wanted to be, and I did that a whole lot. I would pretend to be, oh, maybe a king, and I'd have armies and fight battles and win all the wars. Or I'd be a famous doctor and I'd perform delicate operations and save lives. And it was my own secret place and nobody even knew it was there. Well, until... What do you think you're doing down in there? I see you. Oh, look at your clothes, covered with dirt. Don't you think I have enough to do without having to scrape all that filth? I must have been a thoughtless little boy. With all she had to do, Mom had to clean up and make me presentable after I got dirty playing under the porch. I think maybe that's why she didn't smile very much. But she never let on that she wasn't happy when there were strangers around. Mrs. Truman taught piano. She came every Thursday. Mom always put on a fresh dress and made me dress up, too, when it was lesson time. I didn't like to practice the piano. But Mom and Dad were paying for the lessons. So I practiced. The way Mrs. Truman showed you. It was about that time but I began to realize that life in other houses on our street was different. I made a friend. A new family moved in three houses down, that house next to the vacant lot. Joe lives there. I mean, he used to. Joe Bortolucci. <laughs> he played baseball and was real tall and skinny. And I guess he figured every boy knew all about baseball because he made up a team right away and he asked me to be on his side. But I, I couldn't hit the ball. I mean, I never threw it, so I could. And I was even worse trying to catch the ball because I was afraid it would hit me. And one time it did, and Mrs. Bordalucci came running down the driveway when she saw me crying. And she had a big ice cube tray in her hand and a big dish towel. And she put her big, plump arms around me. And she soothed me, and she wrapped ice cubes in the dish towel and pressed against my nose till the blood stopped. And she kept brushing my hair back and saying... There, there. And it made me feel warm and good, kind of. Mrs. Bordalucci smelled good. She smelled like her kitchen did. I like Mrs. Bordalucci. For a long time when I played down under the back porch, I would pretend that Mrs. Bordalucci was... <laughs> was my wife. Well, I did. But I was only a little kid then, and... Mrs. Bordalucci's moved away now, and so is Joe, and... I never did learn how to play baseball. I know I made my folks unhappy. I wasn't sure how, but I could tell. Well, I, I guess I, I sneaked over by my bedroom door one night when I heard them next door in their room. I would barely breathe. They were talking about me. I tell you, I really don't know. I try to get close to him, and he's so... So distant. He he lives in a world all his own. Oh, well. 
No, don't all kids. Don't I know. I'm not a child expert, though. Hmm. Well, I'm not either, but... Uh, Nobody it's... can say I haven't done everything a mother could be expected to do. Oh, I know it. But I just wish you wouldn't worry so much. Well, I can't help it. It's my responsibility. After all, when we agreed to take now, him... Now, I... we, we weren't ever going to mention that. I know, but... You do feel an extra burden of responsibility when you apply for a job. Oh, I, I don't. I don't think we ought to talk about that. Oh, he can't hear. Well, what if he isn't like us now? Does that matter so much? Strange, he isn't at least a little like you. But apparently, he has all his mother's traits. At least all her strange ones. You're his mother now. You're the only mother he's ever going to know about. Is that to protect him or to protect you? <sighs> What's past is past. Yes. Except we have a little boy to remind us of it. We've been all over this long ago. Oh, I know how you hate to talk about it. How many times must I say I'm sorry? I'm, I'm sorry I ever met her. There was never another one before, and there's never been another since. It was years and years ago. Now, just, just can't, can't we let it rest? Oh, sure, sure. We'll let it rest. As far as the rest of the world's concerned, he's my own flesh and blood. No one can say I don't give him everything in my power. Oh, I know. But he's still morose. He's, he's still distant. He, he acts as if he lived somewhere else, as, as if he belonged with someone else. Good Lord. Do you suppose somehow he knows? <laughs> I wondered and wondered and wondered about all that they said that night. I could never figure it out. But pretty soon after that, everything changed. There's your father now. Go wash up for dinner. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got a little surprise. Oh? Is it the rays? They came through the rays. Oh, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> that doesn't happen to be the surprise. Oh. He was holding something behind his back and it was moving. I tried to race around him to see, but he kept turning, so I couldn't. Well, what on earth is it, then? What do you have behind your back? What have you got? And then he brought it out and held it up. It was a puppy. Are you out of your mind? A little black and white puppy. <laughs> if he isn't the cutest little fellow you ever saw. Oh, not in my house. Well, a fellow on the bus had two in a basket, and, and I got the cutest one. Just, just look at it. I had my arms up, reaching for and it. And just who do you think is going to have to clean up after it? It's little pink tongue lapped out from my fingers. Oh, I, I thought he'd make a good little playmate for it. Well, I'll be the one to do it, of course. Just one more thing to do in this house. Then Dad knelt down and put the puppy on the kitchen floor, and it got up and wobbled around. I <laughs> say, just, just look at that tail of his go. <laughs> Where do you think he's going to sleep? I'm not having him in my clean kitchen, and that oh, is that. I'll just give him a nice cardboard box and... And a few newspapers. You'll be okay. You'll make friends with him. You just wait. Hey, hey come on, boy. Come on. And that's on. when I began to notice Mom start to change. It wasn't as if she was afraid of the puppy, just that she wasn't used to him. And after a few minutes, she reached out and held her hand down, and the puppy came and licked her. And Mom smiled. She did. And dinner was real late that night because the puppy tried to follow everywhere Mom walked in the kitchen. And later, even after I'd gone in my room, they kept on playing with the puppy. I went to sleep with the sound of laughter down the hall. They named him Rover. And he was a smart dog. Right away, he learned to go outside. And then they taught him to sit up. 
Sit. Sit up. That's a good dog, Rover. Good boy. Rover stopped growing bigger when he was about the size of a Cocker Spaniel. But he wasn't a Cocker Spaniel. Maybe partly. But he was partly some other kinds of dog, too. Anyway, he was just the right size for sitting on laps. <laughs> I swear, he thinks he's a house cat. Will you look at this? <laughs> now, how do you think I'm going to read the paper with you on my lap, old boy, huh? <laughs> I'd never seen them so happy ever before in my life. Oh, anybody home? Well, 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 there's my old buddy. Come on. Come on, sit up, Rover. Sit up. Speak. Good boy, good boy. You know boy. what he's learned to do? Huh? He sits by the front window watching for your bus. <laughs> and I swear he can hear it coming even before it gets into our block. <laughs> and that he's right over by the front door. Oh, I just can't wait for the old man to come home, huh? <laughs> ah, you're a good boy, Rover, good boy. We spent our evenings with Rover right there with us, whatever we were doing. At first, Mom wouldn't let him in any room except the kitchen, and he slept in the back porch. But when winter came, she brought his bed into the kitchen and... Pretty soon he was even lying on the living room rug when Mom and Dad were in the room. He watched them so closely. And whenever either of them got up or made a move, there was Rover, up on his feet and ready to go. But the biggest change was in Mom. After a long time, she even let Rover sit beside her on the Davenport. And he'd put his head on her lap and she'd stroke his ears while she read or watched TV. And at night, after a long while, Rover even got to come into Mom and Dad's bedroom... Rover was really one of the family now. Okay, hold it now, now, now. Just, just, just hold it. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> That'll make a great Christmas card. <laughs> if we don't send out too many. Oh, well, it's Christmas. Uh, and after all, we ought to share Rover with our friends, don't you think? Uh-huh. Well, take another one of them slipping the Christmas tree. Hurry, hurry, that's a darling. Uh, okay. Got it. Our first Christmas with Rover was different from any we'd ever had before. Dad and Mom had taught him so many new tricks... They invited friends over to show him off. Now, watch this now. Roll over, boy. Roll over. Ah, <laughs> good boy, good boy. You have a treat, Rover. Ah, now, now, get a load of this. Dance, Rover. Dance. Look, look at him. <laughs> did I show you what I made Rover for his Christmas present? Look. Oh, did you ever see anything so cute? A little jacket. And he wears it, too. Well, of course he wears it. He loves it. I guess Rover must have been about the smartest dog there ever was. He wore his little jacket, and Dad bought him a little corncob pipe, and, and when he said, get your pipe, Rover, Rover would run to where he'd left it and come back with it stuck in his mouth, right side up, too, just like he knew exactly what it was for. But Rover learned a lot of practical things, too. He learned to fetch. He brought in the newspaper every afternoon, and he always was rewarded. He liked his dog biscuits and table treats, but I think what Rover liked best was when Mom or Dad would scratch his head or his ears or stroke his fur. Rover would sit perfectly still. You could tell he loved it. He loved the feel of a human hand. I would watch him getting petted. I wondered how it felt. I'm not really supposed to talk about the rest, but I guess it's okay. You'd understand. But if you don't, just... Don't look at me funny. Just, just pretend that you do understand, okay? See, uh, I began to grow up, and, and, and I got a car. Well, it was an old car. only cost $100, and I don't know. A, a kid's got to have a car. 
So anyway, well, see, I, I well, I, I was driving home one night, and I, I guess the headlights weren't all that good. Anyway, somehow Rover must must have gotten mixed up. <laughs> he he ran in front of me just as I was turning in the driveway. I just sat down on the driveway beside him and and cried. I, mean, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how I was going to tell Mom and, and Dad. I mean, this little dog had meant more to them than anything else in the world. And they meant more to me than anything else in the world. And now it, I'd taken away their happiness. What, what could I do? Well, I'd, I'd have to tell them. I walked up to the front door. My feet felt like lead. Just as I got to the front door, it opened. Mom was standing there. Oh, you're home. Have you seen Rover? I- I've been calling him. How could I tell her what I'd done? It's not like him to, to not come when I call. If only there had been some softer way to break it to her. But there wasn't. Doctor? Doctor, listen, something terrible is happening. Please, can you come over? Please, please. It's it's Mom and Dad. I've never seen anything like it. They both went to bed. The doctor left. There were some pills for them to take when they woke up. I was alone in the front room. I thought for a long, long time... I thought about killing myself, of course, but that wouldn't bring Rover back. I thought about bringing home another dog, but that was ridiculous. There was only one Rover. There was absolutely nothing I could do. Nothing. So now you see what happened. Why people say the mean things they do. Well, it's just that they don't know. They don't know that people have to find happiness where they can. I don't think about that much anymore. I I don't really have to think. Thinking makes things confusing is all. I like the way things are now. And I know Mom and Dad do, too. And that's all that counts. We're happy again. The three of us. The three of us. That makes me feel all warm and secure to hear that. Well, gotta go. Gotta bring in the paper. Good boy. Give me the paper. That's it. Now, can you roll over for me? Good boy. Good boy, Rover. Whatever you do, do not feel sorry for them. They seem to be unlike you and me. But they know who they are to each other. I'll return in a minute with the names of our players and a word about next week's Crisis. Tonight, Crisis has brought you a story entitled Rover, written and directed by yours truly, Jim French. 
and featuring Mark Adler Corbell as the boy, Pat French as mom, and Paul Herlinger as dad. Sound created by Jeff Thompson, engineering by Carney Barton. Production by Audio Recording Incorporated.